Welcome into the Warehouse, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles and Major League Baseball. The Warehouse is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. The warehouse. It's September first. We have made it to September. How about that? Uh, and last night, live. <laughs> Gunnar Henderson made it to the show. Of course, I'm joined by my colleagues Matt Corey and uh, Brad Johnson once again. Uh, excited to talk about the birds. Let's talk about Gunnar making his debut. Made his presence immediately felt with a uh, bomb to right about 429 feet. Uh, Gunner was born June 29th, 2001. I'm curious what my colleagues were up to at that point in their in their lives. Uh, uh, Matt, you can go first, sir. Okay, well, um, I just want to point out that we had to cut uh, there because I was crying for 25 minutes, and now we're <laughs> back. Um, I was drinking too much beer in Philadelphia. Uh, that's... That's what I was doing uh, in uh, 2001. I was, oh, that's not entirely true. I was, I had a job. I was gainfully employed, legally gainfully employed. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's certainly not. And I think this is what you're driving at, Chris, not homering in my first major league game. <laughs> I was not doing that. Um, I still feel like there's a chance, you know, maybe Brad, you can talk to some of your scouting contacts about my, uh, you know, my, my burgeoning uh... power. Where's Corey on the 2080 scale? There, we'll get to about that. a 15, uh, I'd say. Uh, yeah, off the scale, off the chart. <laughs> That's all. I'll just say. I'll just say off the scale, and then we'll we'll leave it to the imagination which direction. <laughs> Matt was in Philly drinking, gainfully employed. Brad, what were you up to at that point? I wouldn't have been too far away, but I wasn't drinking. I was probably about like, between my high school freshman and sophomore years. I would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, very likely I would have been playing baseball on the 29th of June. I played pretty much every day in the summers of high school and uh, aspired to be a professional baseball player and didn't work out uh, for, for many reasons. Uh, I think like if I had done everything perfectly, maybe I could have been someone who washed out at double A. <laughs> I, I, like, I think like if I could do everything over again with the mind I have now, what I know now, I would have live odds of getting somewhere in baseball, but I didn't at the time. And you know, there's no way of knowing it until you try. It's true. Well, 2001, at that point, I was working for the Orioles in their uh, fan and ticket services, which meant I was doing ballpark tours and sitting in the box office, which was uh, interesting. It would be more interesting a few months later, you know, September 11th. I had a story for that day, but... Uh, June 29th of that year, I'm sure I am pounding Jaeger shots somewhere and uh, yeah. school's out. So just basically uh, working and and uh, having a lot of fun and not picturing the Orioles' uh, next third baseman or shortstop in the lineup today uh, being born and launching bombs, uh, you know, 21 years later. Really just wanted to illustrate yeah, just how young Gunner really is, how old the rest of us are. and uh, <laughs> Thanks for that. Appreciate it. And uh, it just, uh, 
it's fun watching these young kids come up, but it is interesting. And, and the older I get and you watch these, uh, you know, <laughs> kids come up and you can picture just where you were in life. Uh, you know, and the, I thought I thought Chris, I thought you were gonna say uh, I was working for the Orioles in uh, scouting hospitals in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> yes, the maternity ward, seeing uh, you know <laughs> who might who might uh, be be worth keeping track of at that point. Yeah, the Orioles uh, scouting uh, was uh, quite up to date at that point. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I could believe Elias is, might, might be tracking. Uh, uh, bloodlines and uh, uh, anything else, uh, but the uh, Orioles at that point, I'm not sure they had even heard of the Dominican. Uh, so we were, it's a yeah, interesting progression. Anyway, yeah, uh, a decade they, later, they still hadn't. <laughs> yeah, bigger thing, you know, beyond just talking about the age. Gunner's up. Uh, it was cool seeing him hit the show. Hitting the ground running was great, but really just uh, the ascension of another number one overall prospect in the game. Ho hum. Now joining the, the everyday lineup and should be able to make a difference. So I mean, what what an just if I can step in for a second, what an iconic image too of I mean, who knows how his career is going to go, right? Uh, Hall of Fame could be out of the league in a couple of years. Who knows? Uh, anything's on the table just about. But um, but that first home run where his helmet comes off and he's he's flying around the bases uh, and, you know, as, as Eckersley would say, the lettuce is out. Um, you know, that was, uh, that was quite an image. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, for, for all we've seen from the young Orioles, uh, that is probably the image that that's going to, I feel like going to stick with me anyway of, of this season and the potential, uh, you know, that, that this team and this organization have right now. Or, you know, we're not. No, I think <laughs> you guys have nothing on that one. I don't know. I, I <laughs> exactly right. I mean, you see the. Shove uh, it, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> you see the locks uh, flowing. And for somebody that's always uh, rocked a buzz cut in, in my life, it's the other uh, inches of uh, the kids watching all the hair uh, coming up, you know. Uh, but it's uh, it was cool seeing the uh, helmet fly off and seeing him just uh, run around the bases and. His family was there. Uh, uh, they had been able to make the trip, so that was, you know what a great moment for them and their family to be able to share that. Uh, yeah, uh, together. for sure. And you're right, Matt. Yeah. You have no idea where the career is going to go, but uh, exciting time all the same. Just to uh, to see the progression of Henderson, who was a a good, you know a pretty well thought of prospect coming into the year, but made the ascension from good to great prospect uh, with, with his play and uh, to watch. Watch yeah. him move up each level, have success, and now he'll get some time here in September, and he'll he'll start next year as a, an everyday option for for the birds. So, pretty fun. I mean, it was I was trying to read up about Henderson just in preparation for this, and I I googled Gunnar Henderson scouting report, and um, the weird thing is, you know, like you you alluded to there, Chris Henderson has just undergone you know some kind of transformation as a prospect you know from from a good but probably not great prospect to the best prospect in baseball or at least one of the top three depending on who you talk to so almost any scouting report that you look at is going to be out of date you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're all he, like he was... yeah, he's all right he's pretty good i guess and then you know you're like no that's obviously not right you know it's like july okay that that's out of date <laughs> yeah he, he wasn't quite a blue chip prospect uh, he was, he's kind of 
on similar terms to Westberg, and Westberg's kind of stayed in that lane uh, where he looks like he'll probably be a big leaguer of some value. Uh, it wouldn't surprise anyone if it doesn't really work out, and that's how Anders- Henderson entered the season. Uh, looked like there's a big league role for him somewhere, but it wasn't necessarily going to happen. Now it's you know, you know, top prospect, and, and it was it was apparent pretty early on in Double A when he just he cut his swinging strike and strikeout rates. Uh, massively, uh, the power was you know, in game a lot more easy, and uh, yeah, yeah he, he's really stepped rate, forward. It's good that they brought him up because they yeah. they really didn't have to. They could have kept playing process and uh, pushed it into next year. I mean, he's hitting so well though at every single level. I, I think you can make an argument that he should have been up a month ago. Oh yeah, yeah, you can certainly make that argument. Uh, teams being conservative with young players and their service time, they'll find excuses to. Uh, yeah. avoid those arguments yeah uh just happy he's up now and i i think that pretty much locks him into starting next year with the orioles so uh, yeah excited about that as well you know most yeah. likely he'd have to show poorly so as we said today september 1st the orioles are two back of toronto for the third wild card baltimore has 10 games left first jays uh how's this going to play out brad well in division, you know, they make their own destiny a little bit. Uh, obviously, they need to be a little better than just 500 against the Jays if they want an easy path. Uh, uh, another team that they have to look out for, though, is the Twins outside of the division. Uh, the, they're going to have a lot easier matchups. They could make up some ground. Uh, they're not too far behind where the Orioles are and uh, could just leap right into the picture, steal that third wild card slot if uh, the Orioles and Jays beat up on each other too much. Uh, but... I, I, I'm not one to really just like boldly predict what I think is going to happen. I'm a very probabilistic thinker. Uh, so I think these Jays games, they're evenly matched teams. I would expect a five and five record. Yeah. I, I'm kind of like you, Brad. It's a, uh, it's easier for me at least to take a, a, the larger view than any individual game. I've never understood uh baseball gambling. That's just alerted me. It just, you know, who knows what's going to happen on a, individual game basis but you know a month to play matt the Orioles are two games out really that's the story but uh what are your thoughts do you think they're going to uh make the postseason fall just short or you know where are you on that <laughs> yeah i mean it's all on the table but um i do think that this season's already a success you know like we've talked about before on the show you know just the fact that they're here they're competing at you know a effectively playoff level here um you know they're competing against a team that was expected in toronto to compete for the world series you know we'll we'll see if that happens i'm not so sure uh but you know they they have an absolute shot to catch toronto they're they're really kind of lucky the way the schedule is is laid out for them they have a harder strength of schedule than minnesota or the white Sox or seattle for that matter um, but an easier one than Toronto. And, um, you know, as you guys talked about, they have head to head 10 games head to head with Toronto. It, it, it's not easy to, to win seven of those, but if you do something like that, you know, you put yourself in the driver's seat. And the other aspect to it is that the Orioles are, you know, an improved roster, uh, compared to their overall record. You know, they, we've obviously discussed Rushman a lot. You know, he's made a huge difference, um, you know, bringing up Henderson, uh, 
we'll, we'll get into this, but depending on who he displaces can make a huge difference. And off air, we were talking about Grayson Rodriguez getting back on the mound. I think that's a much bigger, you know, up in the air sort of thing. But, um, but the possibility at least exists, whereas maybe it didn't a couple months ago that, that he could make an impact too. Um, and I think all of the above are, are pretty exciting. And especially when you compare it to how Toronto was doing it, they're 13 and 13 this month, um, you know, with a uh, run differential. Oh, I'm sorry, I think they're 13 and 14. I think I miswrote that. I think they have a losing record. Anyway, they have a negative 12 run differential in August. Um, you know, their best pitcher, Jose Barrios, has really struggled all year long. Um, and, you know, they don't have a choice. They're going to keep throwing him out there. So uh, I, I think it's definitely going to it's definitely going to come down to those 10 games. And uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. And it'll be really good for those young Oriole players to, to participate in. I didn't include it in the outline, but just a uh, quick thoughts. How many wins is it going to take to uh, get that third wild card? 86, 87, 88, somewhere? Where, where, what do you think? I think they need to go about five over 500, something like that, at least the remainder of the way. Um, yeah, so whatever that, that, that would give them a shot. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want to feel confident about it, you're shooting for 90. Uh, that's what you're... That's what your clubhouse goal is. Well, it's three straight winning months. We'll see if they can make it four, and we'll see how close they, they can uh, uh, make it. So you talked about a couple of the other rookies, obviously uh, Rutschman and Al Henderson being up. Two others that have joined the roster this year uh, and recently have been Kyle Stowers and Taryn Vavra. Uh, both playing maybe a bit less than I anticipated. Vavra's in the lineup today in the left field. Stowers is out. Your take on their uh, usage so far, Matt? Well, I mean, we're up not quite at the point where, um, you know, where the starting lineup is is already packed with, you know, whatever, with, with um, quality starting players. But but we're getting there, you know, certainly more so than we were last year. There's fewer and fewer spots available generally. And, uh, you know, the outfield is, you know, pretty, um, pretty set for the Orioles with Hayes, Mullins and Santander out there. So. Um, you know, obviously there'll be, uh, days off and guys will get, you know, nicked up a little bit, um, and need some time. And it's really important to have, you know, guys who can step in and perform, you know, above replacement level. Uh, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week, I think, but you know, that's sort of the raise way of, of winning, you know, you keep everything above water. Um, and, uh, and, and it makes a huge difference by the end of the season. So, I kind of feel like that's the role that these two guys have. That said, um, and I know less about the defense, uh, you know, Vavra's defense at second. Maybe you guys can enlighten me on this, but I sort of feel like he should be playing more regularly over Odor, who's just kind of bad at everything. So I, I don't um, – maybe the Orioles have some value on Odor that isn't publicly available. You know, either that's a clubhouse thing or – or yeah, that's whatever one is kind of uh, the, wondering. Their, their mean, defensive numbers like him a lot more. Odor's been very good on uh, defensive turns this year. Maybe there's a comfortability factor there. Maybe there's a larger clubhouse presence that you're not aware of. But beyond that, it's a little bit hard to figure. Vavra did have a tough road trip with uh, the glove and kind of there was uh, uh, some instances there where you thought, oh, this looks a little rougher than maybe I uh, anticipated. Um, but um, 
Stowers, I was kind of picturing Brad, and I don't know your thought. I, I kind of thought he, he was going to essentially roll in the right field with Santander moving to the uh, primarily DH, but we haven't really seen that yet. Just any thoughts you have here? Yeah, I think it, it might be a symptom of the Orioles' success almost. Uh, it, it's hard to stomach that swing and miss profile. Uh, it's unestablished, and you're trying to win games, and you see your big guy going down swinging 35 40% of the time as he's adjusting to the league. Uh, and that's kind of what we should have expected from him all along. It's what we're seeing right now. And uh, to Matt's point, uh, there's probably a way to platoon him against you know certain types of right-handed pitchers. I uh, haven't looked into it too closely, but I imagine there's you know pitch types that he's a little bit better against uh, that they can you know try to get a little bit more value out of him on a, a per start basis while getting him to avoid some of those tricky matchups. Brad, we've seen uh, Ryan Malcastle in an extended slump. He uh, just posted a second straight month and third overall where where he had an OPS of six thirty or less. So far in his major league career, we've seen he's prone to kind of extreme highs and lows. Uh, do you keep running him out there every night? Do you platoon him? He's had some trouble versus right-handed pitching this year. Do you lower him in the lineup? And then kind of beyond the rest of 22, what are your what are your general thoughts of Ryan? You, you could move him in the lineup. There's, there's not a lot that I see that you can really do in terms of getting him out of there. Uh, I'm not sure who you'd really put in on a regular basis that you'd feel better about. Um, you know, I, I wrote the article a while back about uh, you know, the comparisons between Mountcastle and Castellanos, and uh, they, they're very similar. They're they're eerily similar. And uh, Castellanos, uh, early in his career, uh, ha- had these rough patches. He still has the rough patches, even. Uh, it's been pretty poor like this year. Like the 2022 I, season? Yeah, he's been pretty poor this season, and I don't think it's like a, a permanent issue. He's uh, He's very much kind of like trying to figure out how I want to term this. He's almost an artist where like, or savant where he's uh, he goes up there and he, he's a little less analytical than a lot of these guys. He's a a see a ball, hit the ball kind of guy. And uh, Mount Castle strikes me as similar, uh, same bill, very similar mechanics, uh, very similar outcomes on uh, batted balls. Uh, I think as long as you, you know, give him time and space, he'll be a pretty consistent mid lineup hitter who, uh, you know, has occasional slumps, and one day will break out and be quite good. Uh, Matt, maybe we kind of just think about beyond uh, 22. So you have Mountcastle not making much money. Uh, if he's not making much money and he's a 775-plus OPS guy, 30 homers, even if he's not walking a ton, that has plenty of value, especially if he's not costing much. If he's a 700 OPS guy with platoon splits, that's uh, uh, that, that's more of a concern. And, not, and then you're looking at, <laughs> do I have to add a piece on the other side? And am I looking at a platoon player? So what are you thinking there? Yeah, I don't like him as much as a lot of other people. And, you know, I've missed on a bunch of players in my life, so it's not like uh, this is gospel at all but yeah i tend to see a lot more of the problems that he has um you know stuff that he doesn't do quite as well and um you know i feel like it's a it's a 
if it's the first thing, Chris, then yeah, I think you're doing great. And if it's the second, you know, maybe it's worth a shot because you have him already and you're not paying him a lot and you're not required to, uh, you know, to, you're not stuck on, on paying him long-term or anything like that. Um, but I do feel like at some point in the relatively near future, there's, there's the ability to upgrade. That said, I looked at um, baseball savant and his expected metrics are more or less in line with what he did last year. Um, you know, he's hitting the ball really hard. Um, you know, he's, his launch angle is roughly the same. Um, you know, it, most of it's most of it's pretty similar. The, he's had more trouble with breaking balls this year, uh, and you know that that could be part of uh, the problem. He's seeing a lot more breaking balls this year than he did previously, and I would expect that to continue until he proves he can hit them. Um, so, you know, maybe moving him. You know, you, you talked about moving him in the lineup. Maybe move him down in the lineup if that's going to take some pressure off. Um, but yeah, I think Brad's mostly right. There's not really anybody you'd rather see out there on the roster right now. Um, yeah, he's and... a very very streaky guy. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he lights it up in September. It just turns on for him. One of the other things we got to point out yeah. is that the uh, new wall and left. We talked about the mm-hmm. impact for the, for the pitchers. Obviously, it's had impact with uh, with Mel Castle and probably Hayes as well. Uh, yeah, I hadn't seen any before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna rebuttal with that. <laughs> we, get, we we don't know if that maybe that wall's in his head a little bit. So, uh, Matt, you did allude to it earlier with Henderson up. I would think uh, Odor's time as regular should be over, right? I mean, it probably should have been over earlier, but I'm thinking Henderson uh, most days at third, Mateo at short, and Urias and Vavra at second. Uh, I do see that Odor is back in the lineup today. Uh, are we a little surprised uh, there? Yeah, I mean, Odor is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess I could I could beat around the bush and tell you a whole bunch of different things. Uh, but, but, mo- you know, mostly he's bad. He doesn't get on base. He doesn't have a high batting average. Uh, he's got some pop, but it, he doesn't make enough contact that it really makes a huge difference. He's not an especially good fielder at second. Um, you know, and it's not like one of those cases where the numbers aren't picking up what the eyes are seeing or something. It, he's just not especially good anywhere maybe he's a wonderful person in the clubhouse and that has value i you know i do believe that has value i don't know that either way on that you guys can speak to that but um you know the the other sort of thing that came to my mind is you know when you're bringing up guys like rushman or like henderson you're going to put them right into the lineup right you're that's the point of bringing them up. So you, you have that immediate upgrade and you need those guys to play um, either to prove themselves at the major leagues or just to improve the team um, or a combination of those two. Uh, But with guys like Vavra, you know, it's no slight to him, but maybe he needs to earn his playing time a little more. Um, Maybe that's partly what's going on. I can only think it's a glove, uh, Brad. I mean, it, just looking at the usage of of Vavra since he's been up, I think the Orioles and Hyde must not be comfortable with him defensively uh, at second. Um, 
I, I don't know. Your thoughts? Every game matters the rest of the way. Odor, does he need to be? He's the worst regular. He needs to be out of the lineup. Am I, am I wrong there or what? <laughs> I, I wouldn't want Odor in the lineup. Uh, my thoughts on Vavra in particular. Uh, I, I didn't really hear much in terms of his uh, defensive abilities when he's coming up, but I, it, the conversations I've had about him anyway is as a utility guy, you're not too concerned about uh, how well they do at any one position. You just want to know that they can cover a lot of different spots passably. And if that's how they see him, uh, maybe they don't think the defense is uh, something that stands up enough. Uh, it could also be alluded to uh, his uh, recent play defensively not being up to snuff. Uh, nerves are a thing, you know, like uh, guys come up and they feel like they have to, you know, play out of their minds and, uh, you know, they have that rock in their stomach the whole time and it makes them play choppy. Uh, that could be what we're seeing in, in his uh, defense. Uh, it might smooth out as he becomes more confident. I wouldn't expect that to happen middle of a postseason run. Uh, as for your uh could be that they want to you know, give him a little more time uh, practicing on the side before they throw him into the fire. He's been third base for a long time this year. Yeah, I mean, your has moved around uh, a fair amount, but you know, maybe that's fair, giving him a little can, more time. Can I throw a question at you guys? Yeah. Sure. Where do you guys see Henderson defensively long-term? Because I keep hearing him referred to as a third baseman and a shortstop, and I know he's played a little bit of outfield too. He can play shortstop like you can if they want to be stubborn about it they're going to have some pains in the beginning uh he probably eventually you know top out as decent enough uh, if you think about a lot of the star shortstops in the league uh carlos correa uh cory seager uh there's a big one i'm missing bogarts uh, not bogarts um uh, oh uh marcus Semien uh was the the example i wanted to use not because he's like the hugest shortstop but he was terrible defensively at first and he eventually you know through enough time became a quite reliable shortstop and i was only playing second base because they signed two shortstops in texas uh, right if, if they took that long view path and uh, you know they're willing to put up with some negative defensive values in the next two three years i my understanding is henderson probably could stay at shortstop uh, uh, so Matt you can also the- just throw him right into the fire at third base he should be good like the rest of his game, his defense was supposed to have taken a step forward at short this year, uh, where some people have said he could be a plus, uh, you know, shortstop. I think that's a someday idea, or they're very optimistic. Well, <laughs> some people way. have rose-colored analysis glasses. <laughs> well, some of those rose-colored glasses will be some of our colleagues there if on the verge who are paying attention, but they're also speaking with some of the reps uh, – Internally and outside of the organization there with some of their thoughts. My own take, though, Matt, is that for the Orioles it makes more sense if he takes over third, you know, just because of the available shortstops or even right. if they wanted to uh, roll with Mateo again for uh, for next year. But Right. I mean, if Mateo's going to be in the lineup, you may as well have him at short. Right, you, you don't really want him playing if he's not shortstop. Right, though he's better right. than Odor. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, that's the Fair position. Point. That'll be the decision for, for the Orioles. They'll have they all play off of each other. It's do we want Henderson at short? Do we want one of the three aging shortstops, or do we want to roll back with 
with Mateo, but I, I I think the end result is that Henderson is the everyday third baseman. Westberg comes up, takes over second, and between Mateo or one of the free agents, that'll be be the shortstop going forward. But we'll see. We'll That's see how it plan A up. through E for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this past uh, week, the Orioles were in Houston. They got back-to-back quality starts from uh, Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish. Um, just general thoughts on them uh, uh, this year, and just to kind of lead you, uh, Brad, I just think Kramer, Kramer's performance this year has kind of been uh, undervalued, and I really respect the guy after everything fell apart for him last year, both at the major league level, but also the minor leagues when he returned, uh, you know, and we've seen that back-to-back years for the Orioles with, uh, with Mullins and <laughs> the year he had last year coming from prospect oblivion and now uh, Kramer rebounding as well, but just general thoughts on, on, uh, on those two and where they're at. Yeah. I really liked him coming up in 2020 and I was impressed enough with his debut. It wasn't amazing or anything, but uh, it certainly looked like a, Major league starter, right? Yeah, passable major league starter, which was not something the Orioles had at the time, really. And last year, yeah, he was he was broken. You know that that happens to guys, and uh, some guys stay broken, uh, never come back, and other guys figure it out. And it's good that he you know stuck with it and uh, worked it out. Uh, The the main we we could talk about all kinds of details. Uh, It really breaks down to two things that are working for him this year. Uh, walks are way down, swings outside of the zone are way up. Uh, those two in tandem is uh, just a fantastic sign uh, in terms of a pitcher's development. And his, uh, uh, p- he changes uh, pitch mix uh, right. uh, as well. So, uh, Matt, just the the importance of uh, uh, Kramer and Wells uh, establishing themselves as passable major league starters and then uh, – Bradish against showing you know some of his ceiling. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been it's been huge. This was the you know the biggest problem with this team. I think you know if before the season started you said okay Adley Rushman is going to come up you know mid year and he's going to look like an all star one of the best catchers in baseball we'd all been like yeah sure right uh, you know Gunnar Henderson's going to establish himself as the best prospect in baseball and he's going to come up at the end of the year and make an impact okay not as easy to see as the Rushman one, but definitely within the realm of possibility. But the biggest problem I think going forward with this team, you know, or, or at the time, you know, last year and, and even before that was, was starting pitching. Um, and, you know, having even below average stabilizing forces in the rotation, um, you know, is, is absolutely huge. It gives your offense a chance to win games. Um, and so, you know, it, it's great that these, Two are having good seasons. That said, if you look at their numbers, they're they're not good. Um, they're getting hit extremely hard, both of them. Um, you know, Kramer's twenty second percentile ranking in, in exit velocity that he's given up. He's given up tons of hard hit. His expected batting average and expected slugging are huge. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I I hate to be a wet blanket guy. Uh, but I, I don't feel like these are long-term pieces that you want to tie yourself to, but they're working now. And I think that's great. That, and that yeah, doesn't mean that I, they can't I, get better either. Like, you know, you talked about that before them getting better. 
they could get better next year. That this this isn't you know what they're doing now is not destiny per se. I said I think that's that's fair. I mean, uh, Kramer, I I think just kind of looked at as a a back end starter. <laughs> um, right. you know. It's great if he's a sixth or seventh starter for your team. That's fantastic yeah. roster design. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if he gets passed at some point, he gets passed. But you know, for right now, and for what the Orioles have had for you know in this last four or five years of just horrific pitching, it's just amazing to see just how much com- how much more competitive you can be when you're not just immediately taken out of games and your and your pitching is giving you a, a a chance. So I know he's allowing you know he's allowing a hit per inning. That's okay. The seven homers and eighty three innings isn't isn't bad the 18 walks is really good the 62 k's yeah you'd like to see that up um, as well um he does have ability to draw some swing and miss so yeah there, there is room for him to improve without doing anything crazy uh just in terms of optimizing a little more on the pitch usage bradish since he uh came back after his injury um so in august he was uh one and one with a 3.14 era 28 and two-thirds innings, 25 hits, three homers, 11 walks, 26 Ks. You know, so he's had two starts this year, the one in you know, Houston this past week and then St. Louis earlier in the year, which really big-time starts, which showed glimpses of what his his potential is. He's got a chance to be a second or a third starter in a quality rotation. He's got that caliber of stuff. He also has some questions where maybe his future is 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 the pen. That's to be determined. Uh, but it's been nice seeing some level of consistency since he came off the uh, the injured list, and again seeing you know another start where he flashed that uh, uh, larger ability. And we'll see how he can finish the the year here. Let's wrap up the week with you guys giving us some thoughts. Uh, your MLB story of the week, uh, uh, Matt. You can uh, lead off here. Um, I just looked at MVP, uh, the MVP races in the two leagues. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think they're both really interesting. You know, Aaron judge has hit his 51st Homer, um, whatever, two days ago. Um, he's got a great shot at 60 or, uh, even 62, which would be a new American league home run record, um, surpassing Roger Maris, uh, Otani's, well, it depends on what war you look at, but Matani's <laughs> right there in war. He's not been quite as good as he was pitching last year or hitting last year, but he's, you know, the, the combined war of his hitting plus his pitching is right there with Judge. And also he hits really well and is a great starting pitcher, which is somehow something that we've all just become accustomed to. Like that's that's normal. It's not. It's crazy <laughs> that he can be so good at both of them. Um, but, you know, the way MVP votes often work is you win an MVP because you're the best player. And then the next season, if you're also the best player, you have to be the best player by a lot, lot more or they'll pick someone else because they don't like to pick the same guy two years in a row. Um, so I tend to think Judge is going to win, but he might not. Um, in the National League, you've got uh, – Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, but don't don't uh, don't what is it called? Don't blink. No. Anyway, Mookie Betts is having a really good. Don't thank sleep you. on. Thank you. Don't sleep. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, don't sleep on Mookie Betts, um, who uh, 
who is having a really uh, good end of the end of the year. Um, he passed uh, Machado and Freddie Freeman in war, and he is within a win of Nolan Arenado and a half win of Paul Goldschmidt. Um, that would be his second MVP award, and he would be. I, I'm sure. I'm sure there's someone other than Frank Robinson who's done it, but I can't think of them off the top of my head who has a, an MVP award in each league. Um, it might only be Frank Robinson. In any case, um, former Oriole great Hall of Famer Frank Robinson. Uh, don't sleep on Mookie, um, and that's uh, that's sort of where the uh, the MVP races are. Brad, wrap us up for the week. What do you got? Yeah, I was thinking about stories, and there, there's not a ton of big stuff out there right now. I think like the the main thing everyone's really looking at, especially from my fantasy baseball perspective, is you know all the young guys coming up. Uh, Henderson, Corbin Carroll, who's a fantasy dream, just uh, home runs, walks, average, stolen bases, all, all of the stats you want in a fantasy league. Uh, he has the chance to maybe cement himself as a, a first-round pick on, on the basis of one month of play. Uh, he's just an incredible player, and uh, if you look through the fantasy lens instead of the real-world lens, I think easily the top prospect in the league. Uh Again, that's fantasy baseball. It's uh, it's not real baseball. Uh, the other thing I was looking at today was the playoff races. Uh, on, on the American League side, they're kind of interesting. Uh, there's, uh, we talked about a bit with uh, you know, how the Orioles fit in. They're fourth. The Twins are right behind them in fifth. And, yeah, it's a, it's a tidy five-team battle for those three wild card slots with the White Sox not totally drawing dead yet. National League side, National League side, it's pretty rough. Uh, the Brewers could play their way back into making it a four-team race for three spots, or uh, really two spots. The Braves have kind of run away with the first wild card. Uh, if the Brewers just keep limping and the Phillies and Padres you know, play over 500 a decent amount, we already have our playoff group decided it's just a matter of who wins the NL East between the Mets and the Braves and who gets the last wild card between the Padres and Phillies not that exciting well we're getting closer uh football kicks off this week but baseball in September with races is always fun uh obviously we'll be paying attention come and join the discussions at baltimoresportsandlife.com follow Brad and Matt on Twitter Check out their most recent articles. I'm sure they've got more coming. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be looking for them at, at the site. Uh, check us out next week. We'll see where the Royals are then. Take care.